You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 105 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? Great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. What's new in your world? You know what? This is going to sound so lame, but I'm so excited. I've made a purchase. What's the purchase? It's non-photography related, but I can tell you, it makes me so happy. Is Nutella? No, I bought a cordless vacuum cleaner. Oh, my God. You've got no idea how happy it makes me to just like whenever I feel like I can just vacuum because I actually do love – it's one of my favourite – pastimes believe it or not yeah this is an odd thing to be admitting but and with um two cats and dog who are just like shedding at the moment like you know you've constantly got to get the vacuum cleaner out get the extension cord put it all together but this Mm. is just all ready to go and the reason I went and bought one was I was on location on a shoot and the owner of the house uh, we got his out yes. uh, to, to uh, vacuum up pet hair. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, it does it so well. And this cordless is actually better than my real vacuum cleaner. I know this is not a show about vacuum cleaners, <laughs> but it just that so much joy. When we finish this podcast, I'm going to go vacuum. Again. Oh, my God. Um, okay, things we didn't know about Gina Militia. Uh, that's just nuts. <laughs> All right, well, this isn't a show about vacuum cleaning. It's actually a show about photography, and you've actually come across a snapshot, which means in between our regular programming, we have mini-sodes. So we still have our regular episodes, uh, but every so often we will run a mini-sode, and a mini-sode is, as the name suggests, a mini-episode where it's a little bit shorter and we just tackle one specific short, sharp thing. And I love this week's topic or this snapshot's topic, which is what are the best ways to scout locations? That's mm-hmm. a great idea. That's a great topic. Now, what made you think of this, Gina? So last week I was on a flight uh, to Bali and I had so five and a half hours on the plane. I could watch documentaries and movies and there was actually a doc- documentary on uh, about photographer, an Australian photographer called Ken Duncan who's a oh, landscape yes. photographer and Ooh. it was called Chasing the Light. Mm-hmm. And um, so for those of you who don't know, Ken Duncan is uh, like – one of Australia's most well-known landscape photographers. And I've always seen his work around yeah, Val and I've kind of, of like he's very popular. very popular. His stuff is, uh, you know, very accessible. And I've kind of just thought, oh, yeah, like didn't didn't really think that much. Uh, like always uh, had a great deal of respect for his work but just thought, you know, had never seen or heard anything about him. Right. Um, 
completely changed after I watched this documentary. Um, so he uh, he's released hundreds of thousands of books, not hundreds of thousands, but very prolific and lo- mm. lots of photos out there. So there's a link uh, in the show notes um, uh, to his uh, website if anyone mm. wants to check out his work. He does a lot of work around the Kimberley, so epic mm. sort of rustic, amazing landscapes. And uh, it does a lot of work with panoramas, like yes, where a lot so of long, narrow. But the other thing that he does is quite cool, and I've, uh, I haven't even um, thought to experiment with this until I saw that he does vertical panoramas. Oh, have you ever seen that? I. Don't know. I've never so you always that. think of them as uh, horizontal in landscape yes. format. Yes. Uh, he does them the other way. So My I've goodness. seen. So uh, great. Uh, say if you're in nature and you've got that. Uh, really long, uh, tall uh, waterfall that you want to mm. capture. Well, think about doing it as a panorama vertically. Could make an interesting shot. And also, do you know when you're uh, in a city like and you want to capture a big skyscraper, yeah. uh, the minute you start to tilt your camera up to get the shot, uh, mm. and obviously you're shooting on a wide lens, uh, you distort. The, mm. the lens distort the building, so you mm. get these uh, kooky angles. But if you did it as a panorama and stitch it all together you could get capture the entire building wow um, of course so there's a like if you next time you're doing a cityscape or like any kind of scenery have a, have a go at that uh so the thing Val that mm. I loved uh, that that Ken did in this documentary was he had uh it was uh uh, another journalist uh, was uh, with him on the trip, and uh, it was uh, like a workshop that he was doing. And they were they were on this uh, massive uh, uh, ship that they took out to these remote locations. This was like the and the and the ship had a helicopter on board. Cool. It was so high end. So they would uh, like go to all these remote places and then get in the helicopter. And fly to an even more remote location and do shots. And um, he uh, had a a journalist with him who uh, was also chomping at the bit to uh, get photos like a a real uh, film buff. It's Ray Martin who's known for uh, 60 Minutes in this country in Australia. And he's also uh, a photographer. 30 years ago. (laughs) And also what else has he done lately? He's a journo. It's like he's a – Yes, isn't he? Yes, yes, but he he's, he does. You know, he hosts the carols these days. Does he? Yes. Oh heavens! Well, there you go. Well, so he he's also been now 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 he loves his photography. Yes, so, right. Um, and and uh, he's narrating the whole uh, documentary. But the, there was a point where they got to this amazing location, and uh, the Ray's like, "All right, let's go, let's go shoot." And Ken said, "No." He said, Ooh. I'm going to get you to leave your camera on the boat. Ooh. We're going to get in a little – we've got to get in another little boat and row out to this remote location and I'm going to make you sit in the space and not take photos. Ooh. And this poor other guy was like, what do you mean? It's amazing. Look at the sky. Look at the light. I need to photograph it. And Ooh. Ken said, no, you don't. You need to sit in the space and just be here and uh, absorb it, pay respect to the land, mm. and then come back the next day and photograph it. Wow. And so this got me thinking, Val, I really liked this approach because Ooh. often as photographers, uh, and I know I've done this many, many times, I will go to a location for the first time, be so excited 
excited with it. Oh my God. And just shoot it and then go away and then think about it and, or go back and have another opportunity to see it and go, Oh my God, if I had have just looked a little bit to the left, I missed about it. Or if I had have waited another hour, have a look at the light. So I think it's really important that when you're scouting a location that you, uh, if you can, have an opportunity to sit with the space and be there. So if you've got a chance and you know where the location is and it's close to home, mm. go there at the time of day that you're thinking of shooting there and just sit there. and just. So do you mean that if it's a, a place that's of, in nature or do you mean if it's even if it's a pub? Anywhere, Val, and and uh, more so if it's somewhere like a pub or a studio. Now, I had, um, I've had uh, three three big studios that I've fitted out, okay, and uh, and worked in, and they were all uh, started as shells, and I had them uh, for like nine, nine, nine years each, right? Mm-hmm. And when I went into those spaces, uh, I, the kitchen will go here, all the offices will go here. There wasn't in both, but the, the the first two times I did it, there was there was no great thought as to. Uh, to sit in the space and go, where's the good light in this studio? It was mm. all about function. And it wasn't until we, uh, we were actually working and using the studio that I realised, oh, my God, I'm always backed into the same corner next to the kitchen where mm. I've discovered the good light is. Ah. Do you know what I mean? Yep, so yep. had I have – you know, and you don't always get the opportunity to do this, but had I have actually spent a couple of days or actually done a shoot in the space as a shell, mm. I would have found all the little pockets of good light and being able to utilise that space uh, for shooting in as well as for working in. So um, it makes sense to do that. And and even around uh, the, your home environment, if that's where you do a lot of shooting, mm. uh, it, it just pays to uh, even try and do photo shoots around the home and yes. notice where the good window light is, mm. uh, notice where uh, the sun uh, hits the walls at different times of the day and different times of the year because the sun obviously moves around. So like, you know, the, the, you know that this this particular spot is fantastic early in the morning, but once it gets to, you know, 11.30, it's all over because the sun's in the wrong spot. So just, just like getting to know your space and mm. and documenting um, the changing light, noticing the position of the sun. Okay, so sometimes you don't have the time to spend an entire day somewhere. So yeah. is there a shortcut? So there, there is a shortcut. It's just like you walk around and move around the space uh, with the person that you're going to photograph with your camera and just uh, be uh, no, start noticing the light. And sometimes it'll just happen and you'll get it and you'll see it um, and uh, you'll be lucky. So, you, you, I mean, obviously this is uh, when you have time, uh, it's a great thing to do. Um, but usually uh, we're pressed, uh, you know, we're up against it. There, there isn't that time to, to – really sit and be in that space so a really good exercise that I encourage everyone to do is whenever you are in any new location visiting a friend at a restaurant uh, in a hotel at a new work a work meeting anywhere you are sit in the space and while you're there uh, before your meeting or your lunch or waiting for friends scope it out as a potential location and think okay if I was here for a shoot 
and I had the next 10 minutes, where would I shoot the person? Ooh. Where's the best light here? And just to do that little mind game with yourself and, and see how you can, okay, there's a corridor there. There's a long line of lights. That would make a great location. That is a really great, great exercise. So even yeah, just throughout the normal course of your day, when you're on the bus or when you're in the doctor's waiting room or whatever, have a think of that and – and you you may never shoot in your doctor's waiting room, of course, but as an exercise, have, have an understanding of where the best light is and where you might shoot if you were there. That's yeah, a really good idea. There are many, many occasions, Val, where I have been in that situation where it is as good as a doctor's waiting room. So this is the space we're thinking of shooting in. I'm Ooh. like, okay, great, and you've got 10 minutes. Okay, great. So if you've spent this whole time training yourself to be aware of your environment, be aware of the space and trying to find, make the most of every location you're in, you're going to be ready. You'll be going, right, great. There's a high window there, perfect for Rembrandt lighting. There's a corridor. There's Ooh. a clean wall, bang, let's go. That is a really good idea because I do admit that if I am on a shoot, either with a photographer, you know, where I'm not the subject or, or when I'm the subject, um, I, I do that, but I don't do it in everyday life. So what I need to do is start practicing it more just in everyday life, everyday life purely as an exercise because I think you're right and it just, it just be, then becomes a training muscle, a muscle that you train and mm. um, it's just so much easier when you're suddenly in a situation where you need to um, find the best light. Yeah, and that's okay. a, and often photographers are put under pressure, Val, when they're doing a shoot, and it's like, yes. okay, so this has to happen really quickly, and you've already, you know, you've got the the two locations sorted out, but then when you press for the third and the fourth, yeah. it starts getting a lot harder. But if you've been doing the training, you might you might know that oh no no, if we turn around here, the, 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 here's another location. I know so this works because I've practiced it. When it comes to location, then, like, say you're in a a park or a industrial estate, wherever it is that you're going to shoot, which is more important or which one should you be looking at first? Should you be looking at the different areas and the light or should you be looking at the different areas and the most interesting environment or backdrop or, you know, setting? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I've talked about this before, but basically if uh, light and location had uh, a cage fight, what do you – M.M. <laughs> I keep getting the, the letters, Mika. What's your cage fighting? What do you I do? M- do M- it's called M.M.A. I don't do it. I just go to a gym that does You train it. there, but you want to secretly be one. Secretly. Ninja. Yeah. So yes. if light and location – got in a cage mm-hmm. and had a, uh, a fight off, right? Yes. Light always mm-hmm. wins. Right. Okay. okay. So it doesn't mm. matter what you're shooting. The first thing you want to consider is light. It's the most important thing. It, it's above everything else because you can have the most amazing model, the most gobsmackingly gorgeous backdrop. If your light sucks, mm. the shot sucks. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, kaka. Okay. It doesn't work. So you look for the light first and uh, let that – if you – even if you've got – uh, the blandest of like the doctor's office. Yes. If the do- and I have shot in locations like the doctor's office mm. that had amazing light, mm-hmm. and suddenly you get an epic photo. Mm. Now, if the doctor's office had a terrible light, 
but was like somehow the window overlooked a waterfall or something. <laughs> I imagine mm-hmm. everyone's going to that particular doctor's office. Yes. Um, it still wouldn't be a great shop because the light's awful. Yes, yes. And also, as you we have mentioned before in this podcast, if you do have a crappy background or a messy background or a background that's just yuck, you can always – um, use the right techniques to make sure the whole of your background is blurry and yes. it may actually be, you know, give the impression it's a fantastic background with some colours and stuff but actually it's a junkyard. Yes. So uh, you have a shallow depth of field any background can look amazing and often photographers have to stumble on locations where like you're doing a character portrait or like if you're a, uh, an editorial photographer, you're sent to photograph someone or a wedding or a portrait photographer and they insist on having it shot in their home. But, mm-hmm. you know, I am just keep picturing the lady that has the uh, $4,000 in her bedroom <laughs> all lined up or yes. the, the lots of plates on the walls. But mm-hmm. it's just so busy that you couldn't find the hero of the story, right? Mm -hmm. You could throw the background out of focus so that the dolls are still there or the little (laughs) eyes are still looking at you, right? But but it's out of focus and the model becomes the hero of a shot or a really, um, you know, if you've got trees without leaves on them, right, that can be really jagged and jarring as a background in a portrait and it really detracts from the person that you're photographing but like you open up and uh, have a shallow depth of field and suddenly that all softens and it's it's, uh, quite lovely. I did meet a lady once in (laughs) Melbourne who has um, something like 23,000 cows what? As no, not real cows, figurines. but toy cows. Figurines. Yeah, that's, that's doesn't that doesn't bother me as much. <laughs> How many? Sorry, twenty three thousand. Yeah, Where, they all displayed. She's got the, the world record for Australia or something. And was she like? Not kind of, you know, okay, normal. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Just loved her cows. Yeah, yeah, just really into her cows and had the, and had them in, um, you know, as teacups, as phone covers, as plates, as um, doona covers or duvet covers, pillowcases. Yeah. Um, she had custom-built shelving in her home so that – she could house all of her cows. She had yeah. them as handbags, as keychains, you name it. She <laughs> Sounds fantastic. I could do that with my Nutella jar collection if I kept them. But I, I hide them like an alcoholic does with the vodka bottles. I actually uh, bury them into the bin, which is not a good sign, is it? I'm addicted, aren't I, Val? You are. That's not good. Anyway, let's move on. All right, yes, let's move on. <laughs> All right, so is there anything else that we need to be aware of when we're scoping locations and scouting locations? So I think it's important that you look for shelter, and that's uh, from the sun and from the rain. So if you've got like the middle of the day, it's hard light that you're going to be shooting in, you want to try and find a location where there's um, uh, some uh, clean, hard, even shade that you can put your model under and also to protect you from uh, the weather elements as well, like rain. So I always uh, look to have uh, one of those uh, in my uh, sort of repertoire of locations Mm. that I'm looking for. And then... 
make sure that like if you're photographing people that the background the the location that you're looking for actually has some sort of meaning or significance to the person that you're photographing so it actually mm. then tells a story uh, yes. p- particularly when you're doing a portrait so um, if you can find a way and, and and often that's a way like it's really good to have that conversation with whoever you're photographing you know a half hour over a cup of tea you you, you get that uh, connection with them and they might say something like I always loved um, uh, eating, uh, always loved vinegar as a kid, all right? So if someone dropped that in conversation, there is a famous neon sign in Melbourne. It's called the Skipping Girl Vinegar Sign. And that is a famous vinegar brand, right? I, yes. That's what that's what I'd have in the background when I photograph this person. I just actually mm. thought of that Val off the top of my head, but that, <laughs> that kind of, but something that might have meaning, or that you know, the lady with the cows. Yes, you'd, you'd have like you'd put her on a cattle farm. That's what I'd do with her, <laughs> or yes. something. Okay, you know, yep. I'd have her milking a cow. Actually, that'd be a cool shot. <laughs> uh, another thing to uh, look at is. Um, when you're doing the character portraits, try and include a higher f-stop so that you can include some of the background. So there's times when you're scoping a location where you just look for textures and light and colours that are going to be interesting when you throw them out of focus. But yeah. then if you want to have a character portrait, you might want to look for interesting textures or, or um, items that are in the background that are going to complement your portrait. So they mm. might be a little bit sharper and it's pointless shooting on a long lens at f one point two and throwing everything out of focus when you're in this epic location and it'd yes. be good to show a bit of the location. Um, sure. The other great thing about a long lens is it can it can make any location accessible to a photographer. Uh, yeah. Often when you look at a location with your uh, naked eye, you'll see uh, in your periphery all the people that are in the shot and all the clutter. When you, when you work with a long lens, it actually narrows the field of view mm. and it means that like an alleyway suddenly becomes an interesting location because the field of view of the lens is so narrow that there could be uh, bins and uh, trash cans and and rubbish and junk and billboards and advertising and ugly neon signs either side but the but the the narrow view that you've selected you can't see any of it and you can create a magic uh, location anywhere. So I do that a lot, Val. I think the long lens yeah. uh, m- can make any location accessible and you can dodge uh, tourists in, in uh, well-known spots a lot easier because you've got that narrower. Uh, so it's a really good way to uh, avoid crowds. And the other thing when scouting locations is to uh, – what are your favourite things to do, Val? What's that? It's uh, – and I know you Watch do it all the time. Watch Fast and Furious? <laughs> Watch Fast and Furious. Now, your other favourite thing to do. Watch Rocky. Get, get up early. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, any major city in the world, it doesn't matter how many gazillions of people live there, they're all in bed at, uh, at yes. dawn. Yes. Not many people are awake at dawn because no. they've been up late Except watching Rocky and Fast and Furious. <laughs> so um, you can have the entire space for yourself. It's just you and the baker and the guy that runs the, uh, the cafe. And the garbage trucks. Sometimes. They're not even up that early. Yes. This is like just as the sun is rising, you get okay. it all to yourself. So mm-hmm. there you go, Val. Wow, okay. Jeez. That's um, – that's a, if you land in a city, 
mm. a new city that is, mm. where and you've never been there, you don't know of any particular case, locations, do you have any kind of system in your head or a strategy or approach to even start thinking, my God, where do I start? So I just wonder, I really do, I, I, because um, every major city now has been shot to death. It's all been done. So if you want to do those iconic shots, just buy the postcard. It's quicker, Ooh. right? So I try and um, not look at any of that stuff and try and see what I can stumble on myself. So that's how I did Iceland. Yeah. I, I deliberately didn't look at any stuff or go to any <laughs> well-known locations mm-hmm. or, and I just wanted to drive around and stumble on the locations myself. So that that's what I do. inefficient? Probably you would say that. You would say that. <laughs> I would say that. You would say that. Um, and I – It look, it hasn't – it's worked so far, Val. Okay, <laughs> it works. Fair but, enough. Um, but because I want to see in a different way, I want to. I want to mm. see stuff. I want to stumble on things on my own yes. and see them for the first time and interpret them through my eyes and not be influenced by you know uh, all the other photos. Um, awesome. And it's hard to do with something that's iconic like the Eiffel Tower uh, or the Colosseum. But you know, you can. I think you can still. Give it a fresh take. Yeah, for sure. Um, from a different angle. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this mini sode. We hope that you've been enjoying them. Thank you so much for those of you who've emailed us or given us uh, uh, some things on social media to let us know what you think. Please do give us your feedback. We'd love to know. Uh, and now, where do we find you online before we sign off, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on Instagram and at Gina Militia on Twitter. Awesome. And I'm at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, do join us in the uh, podcast community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and you can join. It's free. And if you'd like some higher-level mentoring, directly from Gina, including regular tutorials and uh, live masterminds and uh, free Lightroom presets, then do check out the gold community at ginamilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the inside. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.